So I was thinking about um, before listening, you know, watching the movie. The movie was fabulous, but before watching the movie today, I, I've been going for um, a bike ride up to the Garden of the Gods and spending time on the rocks because they're, I love the rocks. I so love those rocks. And one of the reasons why I so love those rocks is because my whole system just goes into a very still, deep place. And everything somehow becomes very clear. And I feel very rested and very healthy and very alive and very connected. So I can, you know, I've been hanging out with these rocks for nearly two years now. And every time I go up there, Every single time I go up there, I want I can find a new place, you know. So today I was in a new place, completely new place. And it was, you know, it was just glorious. So I was thinking, you know, what would be good to talk about tonight? I thought, well, love would be good to talk about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then we had this movie, which was, I thought was fabulous, which we can talk about, you know, afterwards, what your sense and impressions were and what came up for you as a result of that. You know, so the classical teachings on cultivating metta or loving kindness is to is um, to begin with a feeling of metta for oneself, and then and then to let it grow and develop and spread and share it out. Okay, and you know, for most people that I know, this is a really important, really tremendously, hugely important practice. It's hugely important practice. And, you know, we've got tapes and labels of, you know, we're not okay, we're bad, we're hopeless, we're useless, we're not. Something's fundamentally wrong. You know, this kind of sense that basically, you know, there's a cesspit underneath there. And if we just skim the surface, we're in an infinite regression into hell, you know. And, you know, that's, we take that to be like our essential nature, you know. And it so is not the case, but it's so deeply conditioned thinking and, you know, sometimes the way we feel about ourselves. So, you know, beginning to get some purchase in that and some working with that and to feel the, the fullness of, of, of kindness, of friendliness, of caring, and to feel it for oneself is really important, tremendously important. You know, so the, the Buddhist teachings on developing metta are fantastic. And in our society, you know, it's like endemic that people don't have a basis of self-love that they're working from. It's the opposite. And, you know, we can go into all kinds of digressions about what the consequences of that is. And um, But anyway, it's something that is definitely there that needs to be attended to. Now, last time I was here, I was talking about how sick I was. And I can't sequence events, what happened when, but I think after I left here, I had this experience with this crystal, and I had this, um, this sense of of asking people to help me do Tonglen meditation, which is to breathe in the kind of poison, and I let that be um, a solvent that keeps us from, you know, our essential nature, our all-pervasive awareness, unconditioned love, 
And so we breathe in what we don't want, we give out, you know, what we have that we cherish. And I had a long meditation vigil in, in a place that was a power spot for me. And I got up from the meditation vigil and my health had shifted. Now, I have certainly experienced meditation shifting things, but I've never experienced anything as dramatic as that. So, you know, I've been, I've been really sick. You know, this chemical sensitivity thing is like a pain you know, walking into a house and, you know, dish soap, you know, it feels like, or somebody's perfume or, you know, a scented candle or a carpet in your system, just like, it's not, you know, breathing isn't okay and thinking isn't okay, it's just, it's a pain. So it's not as if it's completely finished, but it's, it's significantly reduced, significantly reduced. And I asked people to help, and there were people in L.A., helping, and there were people in England helping, and there were people in Brazil helping, there were people in Michigan helping. And so there was a focused effort to bring and an, a, a considered effort to transform poison into something that was based in love and light. Now, I don't have any math formula for figuring out how much was this, how much was that, how much was the power spot, how much was the meditation. All I know is, is that all these things came together and the result was is that my health shifted. Okay. Now, we come from the perspective of taking ourselves to be separate. And we live our lives a lot from that perspective that we are this separate lump that is bumping into other separate lumps. And sometimes we bump in and it's friendly and we like to be bumping in and sometimes we bump in and it's not friendly and we don't like to be bumping in. But there's a sense of being somehow fundamentally separate and we're separated by our skin. And this really um, dissolves when we begin to meditate and begin to recognize, you know, the breath that I'm breathing in is the same breath that you've breathed out. And, you know, the boundary of where I take myself to be is much more an amorphous probability that changes according to conditions than it is anything that's fixed in time and place and definition, you know. And my sense of myself as being tremendously expanded, I see that a lot when I'm with the rocks or when I'm with around people that I have a warm feeling for or when I'm feeling very safe. And myself of being tight and contracted happens when I feel bombarded or overwhelmed or um, put upon or attacked or something like that. So, you know, this sense of who I am is this, this fluid matrix that's contracting and expanding and contracting and expanding. And when there's this underlying sense that I am separate, then the mechanism that I'm relating to all the other lumps about is whether those lumps are going to affirm my sense of separateness in a way that is positive to me and, you know, not bring anything that is negative to me. So it's based in fear, okay? When I'm not operating from that sense of separateness, then there's another thing that's operating. And there's a sense of, you know, what is just is. It's all arising in awareness. It's all arising as an expression of all-pervasive awareness, as a manifestation of love. And... Sometimes the clouds in the sky are dark and menacing, and sometimes the weather is cold. 
But the sky is not bothered. You know? And so when there's this expanded awareness, and then what arises is just known for what it is, and there isn't a contraction that is the necessary result when the things that arise are unpleasant. Okay? Now, all of us are navigating the world of conditionality, which has right and wrong and good and bad, and things that are pleasant and things that are unpleasant in it. We have that. And every one of us has a role. You know, you're a dad. You know, he's a dad. You're a mom. You know, we all have different roles that we operate with. And so in our roles, we have duties and responsibilities. And we can't just say, oh, you know, the sky is not bothered by what's arising when your four-year-old daughter is sticking her finger in the electric socket. (laughs) You know, you've got to act and protect her because that's your role as a dad, you know. And so we are having to navigate the world of conditions and the world of relationship and the world of form. And yet we're doing it from a perspective of having a heart and body that is has the capacity of knowing itself to be all pervasive. Okay? It's not limited in time and space. It's not defined by our skin. It's not defined by our views or our values or our attitudes or our body or our past or our conditioning or our parents or our culture or ethnicity or our sexual orientation or how all of these things are changing. And so what is that? You know, what is this all-pervasive awareness which is an unconditioned love? Okay? That's not something that we generate and cultivate. That's something that we are. That's something that we rest into. That's something that we connect with. That's something that we touch, that we know. We don't generate the sky. We don't create the sky. We don't develop the sky. The sky's there. And sometimes, you know, we can have a shift where we can be totally focused on, well, I've got to do this, and there's this email, this telephone call, and I've got to do that, and I've got this planning, and I've got to have a meal, and I've got to get the kids together, and I've got... And we don't see the sky. But then sometimes there can be a second of, well, I have this to do. But look. And I have this to do. But look. And I have this to do, and this to do, and this to do, and this to do, and this to do. But in every moment of being present with what is arising, what is not separating out from the expanded awareness, one is allowing the duties to arise within a field of expanded awareness and acting on them. So from the perspective of all-pervasive awareness, Duality is just a cloud. It's just a construct. It's just a perception. And yet, in our worlds, we need to understand how to navigate this world, this perception, and this reality. We can't just write it off and say good and bad have no relevance to me. You know, or understanding my sexual orientation has no relevance to me. 
because all I am is all pervasive awareness anyway, so what difference does it make? We have to attend to all the developmental tasks of being a human being in a body and navigating all of the complexity that that entails. Now, one of the things that I think has a strong component to it, for a lot of people, sexual energy and sexual desire is a force to reckon with. It's not a small thing. And there's many different elements of that. You know, certainly there's an instinctual component, and there's a hormonal component, and there's a pleasure component, and there's all kinds of components. But I think one component of that is because there's a deep-seated longing to feel love through our body and to know what love feels like as an embodied experience, not as some kind of amorphous, disconnected, spaced-out dream. But we don't have to require to engage in sexual activity in order to know what love feels like in our body. Even if that's what the body is saying, that's what's wanted or needed or, you know, is desired. And so when there is a sense of what love is and knowing what it feels like and letting it move through our physical body so that our cells know it and our bones know it and our blood knows it and our tissues know it and our organs know it and our nervous system knows it and our endocrine system knows it. It's a different level of knowing and it's a really important knowing. It's a really, 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 really important knowing. And whether we choose to take that knowing and engage with another person in a way that is sexual or not is, is not the question. The question is, is that it's really important to have that knowing. To let love be an embodied experience that we can relate to and feel and know what it is. So in cultivating loving kindness, we make an effort to bring forward the conditions needed in order that we can begin to get a sense of this feeling of friendliness and kindness and bring it to ourselves, and then let it move through our bodies and hearts and minds and then share it out. And there are different meditation instructions about how to share it out. But the Buddha didn't give any formulaic way of how to share it out. You know? Just sharing it out. People we know, people we don't know, people we like, people we don't like, people who have hurt us, people who have harmed us. You know, share it out. And as we know the force of metta and the quality of metta and learn to trust it, not as a way of condoning unskillful behavior, but knowing that the heart that connects has a power to find ways to move forward, but a heart that divides doesn't. Absolutely doesn't. And to know that the feeling that I have in my own body, heart, and mind when I feel connected is radically different than when I feel isolated and disconnected. But this 
cultivation, to begin to get a feeling for it and developing the capacity to change one's attention to do that, as important as it is, is a very different practice than resting in something that you already are, that is your nature. It's not something you develop or cultivate or share or spread or do anything with. It's like coming home into yourself, into your own skin, into your own magnificence of being. And in that magnificence of being, all of us have this garbage stuff that still bubbles up. You know, these ideas about who we have taken ourselves to be and what we think is true. And, you know, the sense of, well, actually, the real truth is is that really what I am fundamentally is a cesspit. But that's actually ultimate, everlasting truth. And that bubbles up in awareness and is known and is seen and is held with the kind of compassion that's needed in order to receive that until it releases and shifts and changes and one realizes it's just a feature of conditioning. It's not the truth. It's not always there. It cannot be everlasting. So we develop practices so that we begin to get some purchase on some of this stuff and then we learn to use our, our real saying to begin to get a perspective of what this is really all about. And what does it feel like when we help each other, when we look out after each other, when we want to know what's going on for each other, when we're there for each other. So we can pick up the practice of metta as a practice, And in that way, it is a dualistic practice. There's metta and there's the absence of metta and they stand divided. And then there's the resting into an all-pervasive awareness, an unconditional love that doesn't divide, where everything is welcome. There is no separation. Nothing is not welcome. Nothing is not included. It's very different. Very, very different. So we have this feeling that our awareness is limited to our skin, you know. And check it out. Is that the case? You know, how many people have thought of somebody else and the person called them up or walked in the door or knocked on the door or you got a letter in the poster? You know, there's things that happen that don't make any sense in terms of logic. But they make plenty of sense when we realize that it's actually an incorrect assumption to say that we are a fixed, separate entities boundary by our skin. And where I think, what I think, is where I am. So if we put our attention into a thought of a friend, that's where we are. The friend is right there. It's arising in the space right now. You know, if we let our attention go into the floor, into the earth, into the earth way beneath us, that's where it is. And when we get practice at it, we can be met with an awareness that's there already. It's not my separate awareness which is going into the earth. I'm connecting with an all-pervasive awareness that's already there. And so rocks and trees and creatures and animals and the sky and the river... They are alive. 
because they're saturated with this all-pervasive awareness that saturates everything. And the play of life happens within that. The feelings, fear, the wanting, the not wanting, the responsibilities, the duties, arises within that. And what does it feel like when that is our resting place? So what helps remind us of that? You know, being around other people who have a value and appreciation of that. Bringing meditation, those rocks. You know, I'm out there in the rocks, it's been cold. It doesn't matter if I'm freezing cold. You know, my mind still drops into this still place where it's like, I just so totally know this to be the truth. And that truth is so deeply nourishing. It is so healing. It's so medicinal. But what I need to do, as well as most of us need to do, is stabilize that knowing. That that is my resting place. That's my reference point. And not the play, the drama, the liking, the not liking, the fear, the insecurity, the sick, the drama. But the real deep knowing. And then from that, engage in the world. With myself, with my body, with my friends, with my family, with community. So we think we lose it. But where does the sky go? Does the sky get lost? So all that's needed is just to reconnect with the fact that the sky has never gone anywhere. It never can go anywhere. And right then, that's the path. Just that is the path.